you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. All right, well, in the summer, we are in uh, this series called Tell a Good Story, and uh, what we've been doing for the last uh, several weeks is uh, looking at Bible stories uh, that if you grew up around church, it's likely that you've heard some of these. We might call them famous uh, Bible stories. Part of the reason why we want to roll the tape back and re-examine some of these stories is because if you, if you learned as a little kid uh, some of these stories, a lot of times what happens is the story gets distilled into a sentence. And so when we talk about Noah, for example, we kind of figure out, okay, well, like, what's, a, what's a good, catchy way uh, that we can help kids understand a truth about God in a sentence, or Moses, Abraham, there's all these different examples. And so uh, what gets lost in that is some of the nuance, uh, that there's gold that we can find if we dig around a, a little bit, stuff that we might not have time as we, to do as we teach kids. Uh, kids, maybe this one sentence uh, part of the whole story. And so uh, we've talked about people like Deborah, and today we get to talk about uh, the superhero of the Bible, or at least the superhero of the Old Testament. That's the way that it's taught. There's this man in the Old Testament named Samson, and if you know anything about the Bible, you've been in uh, a Sunday school zone or something like that where you've learned about him. We learned about his long hair and his big muscles. So I thought, hey, let's talk about superheroes. So we have some superheroes. So we've got this guy. Anybody? Superman fans? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, some people like Superman. All right, got another one. What's the next one we have, Bam? Wonder Woman. Yes. Awesome. See, not just old ladies have blue hair. Young ladies have blue hair too. All right, so that's that. We have another one. Batman. Where are my Batman people at? Am I going to stand alone in the Batman zone? You guys. Okay, we got one more. Okay, thank you, thank you. Awesome. All right, what else do we have? Oh, yes. Captain America. Okay, I think we have another superhero. That's next. Oh, oh, sorry. If you don't know who this is, this is a superhero from the University of Wyoming. Okay, next one. Oh, yes. Mrs. Incredible. All right. Elastigirl, is that her name? I feel like that's her name. Okay, and then we've got Spider-Man, nice. All right, and then the Hulk, okay, good. Oh, that's just a good little list. Let's talk about Samson, the superhero of the Bible. So he's somebody who takes what's called a Nazarite vow. So he's going to be special. He's going to be set apart, and there's a couple things when you take a vow Uh, stuff you're asked not to do. And so one of the things he's asked not to do is to cut his hair. So he's going to go out through his whole life without cutting his hair, and then you're not supposed to drink any alcohol. And the third part is to stay away from dead bodies, which just feels like a good idea anyway. It feels like that shouldn't need to be part of the vow, but it is part of the vow. And this is God's way of saying, hey, like, I'm going to set you apart. You're not going to do things that other people find themselves doing. So a little bit of the context of the story of Samson. If you've been around Invitation, you know that I can't do this without giving you some context. We've got to understand the story of God um, in its home. So about 1,200 
uh, there's this group of people called the Philistines, and many of you maybe know about the Philistines, like, oh yeah, I think David and Goliath, all that stuff, yes. The Philistines are from Greece. So in 1200, what they decide to do is they're like, I know what we're going to do. We're kind of bored. Let's attack Egypt. Let's do that. That does not go well for them. All right, so the Philistines, they try to attack Egypt, kind of take their land. Egypt's like, no, actually, and it doesn't go well for them. And so what they decide to do from Egypt is they go north and they settle like on the coast of Israel. So this would be like buying a house and then a group of people just like put up tents on your front lawn. Like, that's what this would be like. This is an invasion. This is not like neighbors moving into the neighborhood and being so excited about that. We've got some neighbors that are moving in in our neighborhood. Housing market's going crazy, so people in our zone want to sell their house, and so we're kind of eyeing who these new people are going to be. It's not that kind of a thing, bring in cookies, welcome to the neighborhood. This is like get off my lawn kind of a moment, all right? So I want to show you what we're talking about. There's a map. Bam, you want to put that map up? So here's Philistia. So this is Israel. This is the promised land. This is the, the place that God has given his chosen people. And these warriors from Greece, they set up camp on what God has given his people. And there's really these like five cities that serve as strongholds. All right, so you've got Gaza, which like, oh, oh I've heard of the Gaza Strip. Right, that's exactly where that is. Okay, and then we've got a place called Gath. Right? And we were like, oh, I think Goliath was, yes, he was from Gath. 20 points for the church today. Great. But then we have this crazy place, Ascalon. Right? That becomes a stronghold. And Ashdod and Ekron. So these five strongholds kind of become the place that the Philistines are going to use to flex their muscles against the people of Israel. So a little bit about the life of Samson. So if you read Judges chapter 13, he is born miraculously. So his mother is unnamed. What we know about her is the Bible says, the Bible tells us that she's sterile. And that is more of a word, not just on what is a part of her story, but on her personhood. Like there's something about her that's wrong, something about her that's broken. That's how that would have been understood in the ancient world. So to be sterile is to be shameful in the ancient world. And so she's not named, um, but her husband Manoah is named, right? And so that was part of their story in the there's an angel, there's a messenger that comes to them that says, hey, like, you are going to have a child. Oh, have we heard this story before? I believe we had. We're just a couple of months early for this story. And it's amazing in the, she's recounting this messenger, this angel of the Lord coming to her and describes to her husband uh, that it was very awesome. Like, so she's standing in awe of this news that is, that is coming. And so Samson is born to them. These are people that were not thinking this was going to be part of their story. It is part of their story. And so they were asked to raise up Samson under this Nazarite vow. So we're reviewing no alcohol, no dead bodies, no haircuts. Right? That's what they were, what he was called to. So that's Judges chapter 13. And then Judges chapter 14, we find this 
little small detail that Samson goes down to Timnah. So Timnah is this Philistine territory kind of place. And when the Bible is talking about people going down somewhere, sometimes it's talking about geography, topography, but sometimes it's talking about choices. And in this sense, in this time in the life of Samson, he's going down to Timnah, and when he goes down to Timnah, he's walking away from God. And there's a woman that he encounters, and so he tells his parents, hey, I want to marry her. I want her uh, for my wife. Uh, walking against what God had called him to do. And then Exodus, or not Exodus, then Judges chapter 15. This is when the story, if you're like a 10-year-old boy in Sunday school, when the Bible gets really cool, right? So we get to see Samson flex his muscles uh, a little bit. So there's one story uh, where Samson is fighting against the Philistines, and so he's got a really good idea. What he's going to do is he's going to catch 300 foxes, all right? So maybe you've never heard this story. It's incredible, and I have a million questions about how he did it. I don't know if you've ever caught a fox before. I don't know if you've ever caught 300 foxes before. So he catches 300 foxes. I can't even catch my wiener dog when we're running around the house. I don't know how he caught 300 foxes, all right? So he catches 300 foxes, and then he's like, ooh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tie their tails together, all right? Ties their tails together, and then he kind of uses their tails as torches. Guys, this is in the Bible. I'm not making this up. I know this sounds something on the internet, but this is in the Bible. Ties the foxes together, uses their tails as torches, and then goes after the Philistines and kills a bunch of people. So that happens. That's Judges chapter 15. You can read it later this afternoon. It's amazing. The, chap- the story continues in a later point when the people of God are going to give Samson over to the Philistines. And he's, this is the jawbone moment. And he has a jawbone and he kills a thousand people. And then we go to Judges chapter 16. And this is the end of the life of Samson. And so he has his haircut. The thing that he was not supposed to do meets this woman, Deborah. Uh, Delilah, not Deborah. Um, meets this woman, Delilah. And his hair is cut and he loses his strength and he dies. And you're like, wow, so glad I came to church today. That just feels heavy. Confused about the fox thing. Doesn't make sense. Why are we talking about this? I want to unpack Samson's life a little bit. Here's the first thing that we need to know about Samson. Samson is impulsive. Samson tells Manoah, his dad, and his mom, that's who I want for my wife. Go get her for me. He lives from this impulsive place, and I think we're not being honest if we can't identify with that. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had to return something to the store. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your heart hand. I know we're all in that zone together. You're like, ah, yeah, that was maybe, maybe you shouldn't have done that. But then how does that show up in our spiritual life? Like, have you had a moment that you would like to do again? A conversation that you would like to do again? You walk away from that conversation and realize, ooh, like, I was not my best self. Like, I was not empowered by the Spirit in cooperating with the Spirit in that moment. Maybe a conversation with somebody in your house. Maybe a conversation with someone on the internet just going out on a limb 
that that maybe happened one time or two. That's what we see in Samson's life. It's like he's been called to live in this kind of way, and yet he's just impulsive. Now, the second thing that we discover about Samson is that he's compromising. Like he knows what he has been called to do. He knows what he's been called to avoid. But he's not really interested in being faithful to God and being faithful to Yahweh. He's a compromising individual. And what we learn about Samson is that, you know, the harm, like what if the harm that is done in his life, like the way in which he walks away from this vow, like, what if it's not just about the vow? What if it's not the action itself? But what if it's the harm that the action produces in his life? That that's the thing to avoid. So what if it's not, to, not about touching or not touching a dead body? What if it's not about having alcohol or not having alcohol? What if it's having long hair? Or having, what if it's not about that, but it's about the harm that the action produces. Like that does something to his heart. And I think like the truth in this is that one of the worst things that can happen to me, one of the worst things that can happen to us is for us to turn away from the way of Jesus, from the heart of God, and get away with it. To turn away from his ways and then like, nothing happens. You've watched this unfold with children, right? They get tempted to do something. Like, it's not two cookies, it's maybe three cookies, and they, like, get away with it. What happens? They become emboldened, and this happens with us. So what if in the church we could step away from do this, do that, do this, do that, and realize the harm is not just in the actions themselves, but in what the actions produce in our hearts. When that happens, we come to this place where we believe that we kind of rule the world, we rule the universe. Isaiah 66 tells us that the earth is the footstool of God. So he rules the world, not us. So he's impulsive, He's compromising. And the last one is that he's isolated. Like he doesn't have people that are speaking into his life. Might have something to do with the way that he acted in the world, just going out on a limb to say that. Might not be that he didn't have people, but he maybe didn't have an open posture to listening to the people who are around him. Because the people who were around him who had a word to speak into his life ended up not living very much longer. And so here's the thing about isolation. Like when you are isolated, when you find yourself in that place, there's nobody else to serve but yourself. Like when, when you have a way of life that is just you unplugged from everybody else, isolated from everybody else, It turns out like there's nobody else to invest in, nobody else to love, nobody else to serve but yourself, and so you end up serving yourself, and this is what happens to Samson. And I think there's a really powerful truth in this for us, that the strength that God has that he would like to give to his people, like the strength that you need, 
often resides in the life in the heart of another person. So it's actually a way that God wants to give you strength through another person. Not just deposit more strength in your heart, in your life, in your story, so that you wouldn't need to be connected to anybody. Like you could just stand on your own two feet. Is there anything more Midwest than that? I got it. It's fine. Watch me carry 11 bags of groceries like it's the Olympics into the house. And that disciples us. And we come to a point where we're isolated. We don't really need anybody. But God's like, no, like I made you to need each other. Like the power for this life that I want you to have, you're going to get from another person. Will you show that next picture, Bam? You hear about this story. There's this woman, Anita Alvarez. You hear about this incredible story. So if you didn't, there's this woman, and she's an Olympic athlete, and she's doing this routine in the water, and she passes out. Like, when we watch the Olympics, we don't think of, like, how grueling some of these things are. Like, if you watch synchronized swimming, and you're like, oh, that's such a nice little dance they're doing in the water. You don't realize it's like they're running 20 miles in the water, and she passes out. And nobody knows what to do, right? And so this is her coach. So her coach hops in the water and pulls her out. And I think this is a really incredible picture for the reason that God has called us to relationship with him and to each other. That the power that Anita needed in that moment was not going to come from within her. Because she had passed out. The power that Anita needed in that moment was going to come from her coach. And oh, if like the church could grab a hold of that. Like the, the power that I'm going to need to accomplish the things that God has called me to do. Like what if that power, that strength, that perseverance of heart. Like what if there's moments I just don't have it. Like, what if on a Tuesday afternoon, I'm just like, ah. And then there's somebody in my story who does have that strength, who does have that power, who jumps in the pool and helps lift me out. Like, this is the Jesus way. This is the way that we are called to engage in relationship with each other, not in isolation. So there's some similarities between Samson and Israel. I think in a lot of ways, Samson is a picture for Israel. Don't worry, I have a list. So they both have a miraculous birth, right? If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, like Abram and Sarah, who are really like the father and mother of Israel in a, in a way, what do we remember about Sarah is that she's not able to conceive and have a child, and that comes to be a part of their story. And the promise of Abraham is that his children are going to outnumber the sand on the sea. I don't know if you've ever, you know, not a lot of beaches in South Dakota I know, but I don't know. We've been somewhere, maybe Wall Lake, and you lift your, put your hand, and you just have this handful of sand, and you just can't even count them. 
Like this is a picture that God wants Abraham to have of how immense his blessing will be in his life. You can't even count it. You can't even get your hand on it. You can't even understand how innumerable the blessing of God is. And then Samson has a miraculous birth as well. There's a special law code that they're called to. So this book in the scriptures, book of Leviticus, and this is God's heart for his people. Like, hey, here's how I would like call you to live out your life. And Samson has a code as well, that Nazarite vow, no alcohol, no haircuts, no dead bodies. And then we also see that how Samson in his life spent a lot of his time chasing women outside of Israel for meaning, for purpose, for identity. And then what do we see Israel doing? We see Israel chasing all these foreign gods. Because we've talked about the heartbeat of judges is that Israel again did evil on the side of the Lord. You'll see that again and again and again and again. That's talking about idolatry, chasing after all of these false gods, searching for meaning and truth and beauty and purpose and life. But we need to know today that Samson is not, he is the final judge in Israel's history. Like we've talked about this whole line of judges, this 400-year period between the death of Joshua and when Saul comes on the scene in 1 Samuel. There's 400 years where God gives Israel these judges. People are going to help them help lead Israel in those days. And there's 11 men and one woman, and Samson's the final one. So he's going to be the final judge in Israel, but he's not going to be the final one in Israel to have a miraculous birth. And in Samson chapter, or Samson's the end of his life, in Judges chapter 16, and Bam's going to put this on the screen for us, just one sentence that we're going to read today. So what happens is Samson is seized by the Philistines and he's put in shackles and he's kind of like forced to put on a show for everybody who's kind of watching. And this is what we read, verse 22 of Judges 16. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. And I don't know if, you know, you've ever, like, been in a small town and you've blown through a stoplight, anybody in the house? Oops. Like, what do you do? Do you go back and try to do it again or just say, oh, sorry. This is that moment in the scriptures. This is the moment when you blow through a stop sign in Parker, South Dakota. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. I think this is a picture of grace. And I just wonder in the house today if we believe that about ourselves and about our story. Like, can grace show up again when I've been through something really, really difficult? When I've turned away from the good purposes of God 
the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. I wonder if we believe this for people in our lives and in our story. I wonder if we believe it about them. Like, is it possible? Like, can the grace of God return? Can his blessing and his love and his power return? Because I feel powerless. I think it's a moment in the scriptures that would be easy to just run right on by and miss. I think this is a picture of resurrection. I think it's a picture of life springing forth out of death. I'm going to invite the band up as we close today. And of course, you know, this is not a, a scripture that we end up teaching like the kids in Sunday school when we do the Samson story. Like Samson as strong kind of leads the day. It's easier to do a craft with that than just to do like a bald guy with like three little hairs in the back of his head. So we lift up Samson as strong, but we miss Samson as redeemed and the hand of the Lord being on Samson again. And so I just wonder today, like if we are a group of people who believes Judges 16, 22. That the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Because I would tell you that I think for a lot of us, when something is shaved, we consider it shaved. I know I'm not necessarily talking about like the hair on your head. And you're like, oh, I know, easy for you to say full head of hair guy. But I think in a spiritual sense, like when something is lost. And maybe when something is lost in the life of another person and it breaks your heart so much you don't even have words for it. Like, oh, if there was a way, if they would let you jump in the pool and to serve in that way in their life. And we've just come to a place where we just don't believe that this is true. That once it's lost, it's lost. But what the resurrection proves is that when something is lost, it can be found again. When something is dead, it can come to life again. So I just wonder if like, there's, a, there's an area of your life, there's a, an event that has taken place in your story where you've just believed that this is impossible for you or it's not possible for them. I think the story of Samson is the story of Israel because as Israel does evil in the sight of the Lord, what happens, like God doesn't kick them out. God doesn't evict them. Like God comes to, to heal and restore. And there's this miraculous birth. Like there's this teenager Mary. And the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, hey, you're going to give birth to a son and you're going to call him Jesus. And what is he going to do? going to save the world. He's going to save the world from their sin. He's going to empower the world by his spirit. And when Israel found themselves in a, in a place where they're asking this question, can the grace of God grow after it has been shaved, there's this baby that shows up on the scene. And there's these shepherds in this field and there's an angel chorus that shows up. 
And they have this song, glory to God in the highest. Why? Because something's beginning to grow again. And there's just too much stuff that keeps us from believing this, that keeps us locked up from believing that actually the love of God, actually the grace of God, actually the mercy of God does cover, does cause to bring to spring forth, does create a new story. And oh, I wish we would have had time for that when I was 10 in that church classroom learning about Samson, but I'm glad I can learn it now. I pray we would learn it together. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you today for this good news, for this story that perhaps some of us haven't known what to do with. We thank you that real strength, true strength, comes from vulnerability, comes from living life with others. God, we thank you that the the power that you desire to give us doesn't just come from us, but comes from others. comes from others speaking into our life and our story and walking with us. So God, I just wonder in this moment, like, who are the people you are calling us to walk with? Like, what are the names, what are the faces that are popping up right now that need to be contacted by us? Because we're foolish if we believe that life with you is never going to require us jumping in a pool in somebody else's story. And we're foolish if we believe that life with you will never include someone jumping into the pool towards us. God, would you help us be those kinds of people? And would you help us believe the good news that even when something appears and feels and maybe is lost, that we're in a good place to see it grow again. So for the people in this gathering today who have lost hope, like hope has been lost, hope has been shaved. God, I believe that you can cause that to grow again. For the people in this gathering today who have lost compassion. Compassion for themselves. Compassion for another person. God, I'm believing that you can cause that to spring up and grow in that person's life again. And God, for the person who's Uh, here this morning who has lost trust. That trust has been shaped in their lives. And God, maybe their trust in you feels like it's evaporated, it's, it's eroded, it's been stolen. God, would you show them that I can grow again. Because if you planted something in earth, you can cause that thing to be raised to life. And so I pray that you would 
cause whatever has been dead, whatever has been buried, whatever has evaporated, whatever has been lost, God, it would be just like you to cause that to grow again in Jesus' name and for Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing one more song together today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.